Hello and welcome to Vax Talk, your favorite pro-vaccine podcast. My name is Karen Ernst and I am the Executive Director of Voices for Vaccines. Hi, and I'm Nathan Boonstra. I'm a general pediatrician at Blank Children's Hospital in Des Moines, Iowa. Thank you very much for listening to us. And we have a very exciting episode. We are going to talk all about Andrew Wakefield. Um, and we're going to talk to two very knowledgeable and um, very seasoned autism um, advocates. Um, so that's Ken Rybell and Matt Carey. And we'll talk to them in just a minute. First, though, we're going to start with our Around the Web. Karen, what is your Around the Web today? Well, um, you know, I just happened to chance upon something when I made it and put it on the Internet. Uh, and I'm very excited about it. So... Um, I w- <laughs> That's fantastic. I know. What a coincidence. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um I I'm always talking about social norming. At some point I want to do a whole episode on the importance of social norming, but just making vaccines sort of the normal choice to do. That's a really great idea. It is. And so I made photo frames for people's profile pictures on Facebook. And I've got um, a couple of them. One says that I am vaccinated and the other one says my family is vaccinated so that it doesn't matter whether or not you have children, you can Mm -hmm. declare your love for vaccines. And um, I just want to put a plug in for those. They're super easy to find. Just go to facebook.com slash profile pick frames. That's P-I-C. And then you do a search for with the word vaccinated and uh, they pop up there's a a few of them that pop up and uh, and so far only the ones I've made until someone else gets the idea to make some so that is my around the web super short super sweet um total coincidence that I found it oh fantastic so mine is uh, mine's actually going to segue fairly well into our topic today I just wanted to bring up uh something that happened a couple of weeks ago uh, which has to do with a one Dr. Lance O'Sullivan uh, from New Zealand. He is a physician in New Zealand. He was the 2014 New Zealander of the year for uh, bringing health programs to disadvantaged people in rural areas. And the reason that he is important to our topic today was you may have heard of this uh, little, if you want to call it a documentary, this film from uh, our uh, topic of discussion, uh, Andrew Wakefield, which is this film called Vaxxed. And it is, to to make a long story short, an anti-vaccine film. Uh, And it's been having screenings around our country and in other countries. Well, there was a screening in New Zealand that uh, Dr. O'Sullivan was invited to attend. And when he did uh, agree to attend, he basically got up on stage in front of everybody and said, uh, he basically pulled absolutely zero punches in telling everybody the danger that the anti-vaccine movement represents. And I, I mean, this guy is absolutely a hero uh, to be able to get up in front of an audience. So it's going to be a hostile audience, uh, most of whom are going to be already believers in myths about immunizations, particularly uh, the myth of vaccines and autism. And he gets up in front of them and he says, this is one quote from a not extensively long speech that he gave, but a decent amount of, 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 um, 
of, of speaking that he did. He said, this idea of anti-immunization has killed children around the world and actually will continue to kill children whose parents are put off immunization because of misinformation, misinformation based on lies, quite frankly. So you should really Google his name. I believe he also did a traditional Maori haka dance, which is kind of a war dance. I don't know all of the uh, tradition of this, but my impression is that this is a challenge and something that you do when you're very serious about something and so he just I think is a, a, a is a hero in the pro vaccine world now at this point Absolutely. so go Google it uh, Lance O'Sullivan um, you could Google his name plus vaxxed you'll see some video of him getting up and and telling the truth we have to we need more people like him to break through those anti-vaccine echo chambers so that's amazing well, speaking of people who break through anti-vaccine echo chambers, I want to introduce our two guests, uh, Ken Rybell, who is a father of an autistic son and um, of the former editor, curator, writer at Autism Newsbeat, um, and Matt Carey, who is uh, the owner of the LBRB, Left Brain, Right Brain Autism blog, and also a father of an autistic son. Um, and I should mention that Ken has also contributed to that blog as well. So welcome, Ken and Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks. I just want to say first that I, I really appreciate you guys being here because I have followed both. But when I first started to get interested in online advocacy for vaccinations, your guys' blogs were some of the first that I started to follow and read and find information out that I didn't know before, particularly on this topic. So I cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on you know, on that note, you the both of you have been at advocacy a, a heck of a lot longer than I have, and I've certainly learned a lot from you. So I want you both to take us back to the year 1998, and um, you know, maybe we'll start with Ken. Ken, take us back to 1998 and tell me what you remember about that year. Well, that's the year my uh, three-year-old son Christopher was first diagnosed. Uh, I had never given two thoughts to autism other than the movie Rain Man. I was like everybody else in the country. And suddenly I had this autism diagnosis. Now I could think of it as, as, you know, Dustin Hoffman's character. And, oh, my gosh, how could this possibly happen to me? And so I go on the Internet. And I think Google wasn't even around. This was September 98. I probably Alta Vistaed uh, autism. And the first thing that pops up is, the MMR shot. And thank you, Dr. Wakefield, for that. And of course, I'm horrified by it. I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, what did I do to deserve this? Um, and I printed a bunch of stuff out and I stormed into my GP's office and I said, oh my God, how could this happen? Blah, blah, blah. Well, fortunately, good old Dr. Komazek talked me off the ledge. And I think I was like mad for like maybe six days before I finally came to my senses. Like, okay, there's nothing to this. But I was really fascinated, too, by the fact that all this false information was out there. And and so I started going online, uh, communicating with other parents like myself. And I saw a lot of anger and a lot of fear out there, people who didn't see what I saw, and they were still just totally freaked out by this. And I guess I just that's when I got involved. And Matt, where were you in 1998? I was um, blissfully unmarried, un, you know, 
not even thinking about any of this stuff. Well, not blissfully unmarried. Oh gosh, no, my wife may hear this someday. But uh, <laughs> not worried about it. none of this stuff was bothering me. I mean, I don't know if I even saw the stories about Wakefield or anything else. I mean, I, they probably did come through because it was such a big deal at the time. But um, not having kids, you know, it, it didn't really impact me until really till later when my kid my kid was born. So 1998 isn't a year I picked randomly. Um, what what happened in 1998 with Andrew Wakefield? What exactly did he do that sort of sparked all of this where we are now? <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, how, how long is this podcast? Um, <laughs> it's like five days long. Yeah. Tell the entire history <laughs> of the autism vaccine myth, please. Go. Yeah. Start. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, no, but tell us a little bit about that paper in 98. Ah, he, he even likes to like, you know, I think he even says people always call it that paper. Right. Um, he came out with a study with together with a bunch of other guys. I mean, he was, a, he was you know, a, at that point, a reasonably respected um, researcher in a, you know, respected hospital doing, you know, medical research. Um, and he and a group of, I forget what, like 12 or 13, I don't know, there was, I think, more, more uh, co-authors than there were subjects in the study. Really, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, came out with this paper basically, you know, not quite, you know, saying that, that, that the MMR vaccine causes autism, but basically saying the MMR vaccine causes autism. And then he went out on a, you know, a very strange thing, especially I think for that point in time. And like they, they had a big, they had a press conference for this paper. I mean, they obviously thought it was a big deal. Okay. And they had a big press conference where essentially he went off he went off script and he just I mean off script and I think off the rails and just started making comments that were scaring the hell out of people across the world about uh, the MMR vaccine and and you know the, that it could be uh, you know causing uh, causing little kids to be disabled. Um, and as we now know, you know, now that now there's been a lot of good investigative journalism by people like Brian Deere, especially Brian, you know, almost all of it Brian Deere. Um, we now know that that the work that went into that study was, you know, I mean, you know, Wayfield tends to get very testy when people, you know, say it was fraudulent. But I mean, as a, as a researcher myself, not in medical fields, but as a researcher myself, it was some of the absolute worst ethical um, efforts in, in research I've ever read about. It was just right. uh, a terrible, terrible um, effort. The fact that it got out and, you know, made such a huge impact, it's just, been, it's just, it's remarkable how much damage one bad scientist can do. Yeah, and, and there's kind of two aspects to it, too, aren't there? Because you kind of have the unethical aspects of it where things came to light to find out that he was patenting some sort of separate measles individual measles what he called a safer measles vaccine correct and yeah, also that he was on the measles only vaccine mm -hmm. and that he was on the payroll of this law firm uh who was in part referring some of these people to him that they were representing so you have this whole kind of ethical um uh violations side of it and then kind of later the fraud came out correct that was another kind of thrust of investigation uh somewhat later that kind of revealed <laughs> questions about patient history questions about biopsy results that's the impression that i got does that sound about right yeah although i mean what i was saying you know as a researcher i guess i guess a little bit more uh, uh, gassed by the fact that is you know he went out there and just made all these these dramatic claims in his press conference um, on a paper that really didn't support it. But then in the end, to me, 
it's it's not so much you know yes he did all these unethical things in his in his in in his research that people would normally consider unethical but to me publishing a paper that's that's essentially bogus um, on such an important topic is just the height of un, of, of of you know being unethical in terms of, of a researcher's job yes he was taking you know he was hiding the fact that he was taking money from um, lawyers to help build a case. Um, to sue the MMR vac- the MMR people, he was uh, ma- manufacturers. He was, you know, hiding the fact that you know he had, uh, um, you know, that th- that these th- this this random sampling of, of of patients that came into his office weren't random at all. That he had actually been out there helping to recruit them all and coach them all on on what they would say as they came in. I mean, all these things. You just you just look back and you say, you know, any one of which should have gotten the man fired. Um, but I mean, the big thing is his his data didn't. He was wrong. I mean, I guess the big thing is to say he was just wrong. His data nowhere near came close to to supporting the idea that the MMR vaccine was unsafe. And he went out there and scared people. And uh, you know, as a result, we've now seen you know outbreaks. We've now seen millions of dollars, tens, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars wasted on research trying to you know answer the questions he raised. Um, all because one little mediocrity got out there and decided he needed to make a big splash one day. And you could really see the impact of measles vaccination decline in England after that, more so in the than the United States. And then we started to see the impact of that just a few years ago, where measles, where England was having large outbreaks as this group of children kind of came of age and started spreading. There was an outbreak amongst that age group uh, that would have been unimmunized because of the fear that was spread at the time. Absolutely. And then you also see the the immunization rates jump back up right after Brian Deere came out and showed that, you know, <laughs> that all, all the all the mis- all, all the things that were wrong, which really makes it extremely clear that the drop, you know, the drop and the rise were all because of Andrew Wakefield. He, he always nothing is ever Andrew Wakefield's fault. I mean, if you listen to him, everything is always everybody else's fault. But it's very clear that he caused the fear. He caused these people not to vaccinate. And, um, you know, a lot of people suffered because of that, and you know, people's lives were risked because of that. Because yep, measles is that dangerous. Right. So let me, um, before we move on to Brian Deere and and what happened there, um, I, I just want to make sure that we've got all the pieces together in this paper. So, uh, basically, Andrew Wakefield went into this study. Um, sort of i mean did he have the outcome that he wanted in mind already do you think or um was he just trying to do something groundbreaking i mean what what was going on there and then he changed medical files for children and then published a paper that was sort of like scientifically weak um i mean are those all the parts that people really should know about his lancet paper I don't know if he actually changed anybody's medical files. I don't think he reported people accurately. Um, okay. There was certainly a lot of like editing of, of results, and and there, you know, based on, on on some of the documents you see from beforehand, he certainly had a, a very good idea of what you know, conclusion he wanted to re- receive, um, achieve before he, uh, he, you know, this this study started. Um, this is some of the stuff that came out in his uh, in the hearing where he lost his uh, he lost his license, um, but. Uh, you know, I think the paper just it just misrepresents so many things and and so many things that were just obviously you know it, it, it they were available there were you know there's information that was available to him at the time that you know is represented differently in his paper things like you know um, 
you know, how long was it between the time, you know, he has this, he's, he claims that like, you know, parents were reporting that within two weeks uh, of MMR vaccine, they started seeing that their kids had autistic sim symptoms. Um, but if you like look around, you can find actually he had a, a, a PhD student working for him who the same month as this paper came out is saying, you know, no, this, this, this number is much longer than that, you know. And I think that I think his, his dissertation came out like, right, you know, before the press conference. So there's there's no reason why he couldn't have started saying, look, you know, there, there's some issues with this. But uh, do I do I think? Yeah. Do I think he had an idea? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, he was hired by attorneys to kind of help build a case. So, um, you know, all this going on in 1998 um, has me wondering about Ken with his three-year-old sitting at home. Um, you know, what what did that do to parents at the time? Um, how did how did a, a parent of an autistic child read this study um, or or live in this time um, of the that Lancet paper? I, I first. Uh, started uh, corresponding with other parents uh, online. I think my psychiatrist said, uh, or Christopher's psychiatrist said, there was a listserv at, I want to say, uh, there's a university, University of St. John's maybe in Nova Scotia, and they were talking about uh, uh, hyperlexia, which is what I was first led to believe. This is this is what someone said. Oh, your Chris, your son has hyperlexia. So I'm on this hyperlexia uh, group with people, and no one wants to say the word autism. If you want to start a fight, you just mention the word autism, and everybody goes, "No, no, it's not autism. It's hyperlexia." So that's how confused Jeez. everybody was about just about terms and about what we were dealing with. And a lot of these people started blaming uh, so vaccines or you know, whatever, you know, just, you know, yeah, just, you know, just, you know, air pollution, whatever. And then I found other groups. I found the uh, Autism Society of Wisconsin listserv, and that's where the real anti-vaccine uh, comments came out. And this was around 2002, 2003. And, and of course, Wakefield, everybody just kept referring to Wakefield. And from Wakefield, you started getting, uh, you know, into the pharma conspiracies. And, and of course, there's no evidence, you know, they don't want to look for it because they know what they're doing and so on. But yeah, everything kind of sprang from Wakefield. I do want to say too, that, um, you know, to borrow an old anti-vax phrase, Wakefield loaded the anti-vaccine gun, but it was really a, a really credulous media that pulled the trigger. And I think if, if the media had been a little bit more skeptical about this, um, we wouldn't have heard of Andrew Wakefield. This all would have been passed by. But I, I do lay a lot of the blame on just a very credulous news media that just saw this story and this way to scare people, and that that's what news media does. Hmm. And uh, Does that and, sound and a little bit familiar? Too. I mean, yeah, Wakefield was, was, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and you see this, you know, in a lot of other ways, too. I mean, rush to war and everything else, and this is just the rush to, to bad science. Right. And, you know, um, that reminds me, um, Curtis Brainerd um, wrote a piece in the Columbia Journalism Review called Sticking with the Truth, where he, he makes that point as well, and he sort of, sort of lays out the case for how the media took up the Wakefield cause because it was just so incredible and they loved the, the newsiness of it and they were sort of uncritical about the science mm -hmm. and there was a 
a BBC, I want to say, like, film on it, I think with Hugh Bonneville as Andrew Wakefield somewhere around yeah, that time. Yeah. If you, you know, if you, again, one of these kind of underdog medical stories, almost like a Lorenzo's Oil kind of uh, portrayal of this. I haven't had the, the chance to watch it, though. That is something I would really like to watch if it's at all able to and be watched. Some people, I think Matt probably remembers this. People, uh, we're searching around for this, and they found a Yiddish version. I think they <laughs> found one uh, with yeah, it's, it's, yeah Hebrew, <laughs> Hebrew, Hebrew subtitles. Yeah, it's yeah, I think yeah, it's on yeah. YouTube. Okay, yeah, it was. Maybe yeah, I'll it was, check that out. Yeah, the Yiddish subtitles. Yeah. Okay, if we I can find Hebrew, that, maybe yeah. we'll put that in the in the podcast notes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well let's let's turn then to Brian Deere, um, and uh, what he, how, how he plays in this. Who is Brian Deere, and what did he do? Say it actually follows right after what somewhat what you were just talking about. The this there was this um, uh, documentary, "Hear the Silence," right? And that's actually if you look at that, that's two thousand and three. And if I recall Brian's uh, story, basically his editor, you know, this came out and, and you know, re-surf, re, re, re brought a lot of this back to the surface, um, the, the Wakefield story. And, you know, his editor basically said, well, you know, what is this story? Take a look at it. And then Brian Deere started digging into it. And just the more he dug into it, the more he found that things were a little bit fishy and just kept digging and found, you know, started finding a lot of things that were... Um, Started uncovering all the, the stuff we've, we've recently just talked about the the unethical behavior the the, the re- it, like you said later on the research fraud came out but a lot of the unethical behavior stuff came out um, I think also one of the things that happened between the time Wakefield did his study if I recall correctly um, in England is you know they they really kind of opened up the freedom of information you know request thing and 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 so Deere was able to get a hold of information that I don't think Wakefield ever expected to uh, to become public so. Uh, you know, he he find, found out about basically the main thing I think when he found out about was the uh, the fact that Wakefield had, had received something like three quarters of a million dollars in uh, legal fees or legal you know consulting fees or whatever to the to the law firm that was trying to sue the MMR manufacturers, which was something that just wasn't known at that time, not even, not by the public and uh, not by by Wakefield's own uh, most of Wakefield's own colleagues, um, and started you know. You know, exposing this, and you went to his colleagues and started finding and saying, you know, did you know this was going on? And they, they were many of them were somewhat aghast to find out that they had basically been used um, in this way. So, uh, yeah, so he ended up doing, um, um, if I remember right, uh, um, stories for the Sunday Times and also a BBC Four documentary on Wakefield, exposing some of the. Uh, um, Exposing, you know, some of the, a lot of the things he was finding out that nobody had known, and I think that too you can find on YouTube somewhere. And then at some point right after that was the is it called a retraction of an interpretation by ten of the authors, I think, of the paper. Uh, basically, I, it, it seems like they were distancing themselves more from what Wakefield had said in terms of his claims of of uh, in the in the press conference and whatnot. Uh, I mean, there wasn't anything in that, uh, particularly about like the fraud in the paper or anything like that that I can tell. But I mean, basically, ten of the authors of the paper said, "Yeah, this is not something we really want to be associated with anymore." Yeah, I was wondering why it took them so long, too. Um, I mean, what, what were these people's role in the paper? Were they just signing off and not reading it, or 
it, it took an awful long time for these people to, to finally realize that the wool didn't pull over their eyes. That's a good question. Yeah, it was almost, it's kind of timed with the resurgence, of, I mean, the discovering of these problems that then became more widespread in the media. It was, it took them that long. I don't know if they didn't realize the underhandedness that was going on beforehand or if they, you know, were hoping that it wouldn't become that big of a deal or what, but it was, it was after some of that kind of blew open is my impression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I it was, was definitely, of, I think, go ahead. Yeah, Tim. I think there's a lot of embarrassed people there, yeah. It was very embarrassing to a lot of people, especially the Lancet. Yeah, I think the, the, the retraction was, I think, was, uh, it was precipitated by Brian Deere's, uh, Brian Deere's journalism. Um, and I think he, he's got an article, one of his articles more recently um, in the British Medical Journal, the BMJ, talks about something like, you know, the, there's so many days that the that the Lancet had to bury the bad news or something like that, and he he talks about how you know he presented to them, here's you know here's this here's this uh, um, here's all this here's all this evidence that there was wrong go, wrongdoing, and uh, you know how they how they responded, and then I think later on how they you know the like I said many of the authors ended up retracting, um, like you say retracted the interpretation that had been placed on the uh, on on the study, so. Um, yeah, it was all very, it was, you know, an extremely, I mean, it, you know, as, like I said, I've been a researcher now for like 30 years. I've never seen anything like that in um, my own professional career and and, all, and nothing really even close to that, even just reading other stuff. I mean, just, it, it's extraordinary that, that, that this level of uh, shenanigans were going on and, and, you know, blew up like them. But I think, you know, I think they had some idea that something was going on because, you know, Wakefield and he was in about year 2000 or so, Wakefield ended up leaving the hospital where he had been working, right? I mean, mm -hmm. from yeah, he was 97, offered, 98. Sorry, yeah, he was offered the chance to actually follow up on his research, correct? And then just turned it down? Yeah, I mean, according to Brian, again, Brian's, um, Brian's BMJ articles, if I recall correctly, the his hospital said, look, we will give you, you know, funding for a year, you know, free and clear. You have no other responsibilities except to... Um, Prove your your points, you know. Do the research you need to do to actually, one way or another, answer the questions you've raised. And again, if I recall correctly, Wakefield made some sort of claim that this is not, you know, academic freedom, and 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 you know, <laughs> presented himself as being like this great hero for turning them down, which is just, I mean, they're, they're, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it was always struck me as a very odd thing. I mean, you know. I will give you money and time to do whatever you want and uh, in an academic situation that's like about as much academic freedom as you could possibly ask for yeah except people are going to be watching closer <laughs> more closely <laughs> yeah. that's the lack of freedom right there right so uh, so this all happened what were the consequences for wakefield personally beyond the retraction of the article well he, he fled the uk um, you say he fled the he, UK as though he was like, yeah, know, he was persona non grata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he ended up in where uh, he, he started his sojourn in Melbourne, Florida, at uh, Bradstreet's clinic. Is, isn't that correct, Matt? Yeah, I mean, uh, in the uh, yeah, in, in yeah. Brian Deere's art, in Brian Deere's video or his his his, his documentary, he actually uh, I think goes to Bradstreet's uh, Florida clinic to try to hunt Wakefield down. Yeah, which is about as low as you can go. He didn't last uh, long there. I think he, you know, he kind of 
maybe that was him hitting bottom, and then it was. Just, <laughs> but uh, and then he ended up in uh, Austin, and he he, he started that clinic, right? Uh, the uh, good news, no, good news clinic was in Melbourne. The Thoughtful House. Thoughtful House, that's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was going to be his cash cow. That uh, I guess he was going to start all over again there. And that became kind of a whole debacle in itself, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, you you say what were his uh, what were the consequences? I mean, he obviously he spent a couple of years trying to find him find his new home after leaving the hospital, but he ends up running this clinic in Austin, Texas, getting paid two hundred seventy thousand dollars a year. That's um, right. You know, so I mean, you know, I wish I had those kinds of consequences when I did anything. You know, a fraction as bad. Um, you know, uh, it's 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 amazing. I mean, he he, you know, ends up. I I, I my my inclination, my uh, impression is that you know, uh, doctors in the UK don't make two hundred seventy k a year typically. So I think he actually ended up probably doing better in the long run um, when he when he landed that 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 job. And that's not counting. I don't know what other you know, things he may have had going on in terms of like, you know, speaking fees or whatever else. He's, he's very big on the, you know, the uh, the, the Altmed con- uh, lecture circuit. So, I mean, you know, the guy was, you know, th- 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 those were not the harshest of consequences. Anybody who's anybody who's seen a picture of his house in Austin, Texas, um, knows he, you know, he, he, he's not, he didn't exactly suffer um, by, by uh, leaving England. So what did what did he do at the Thoughtful House? What sort of a clinic was that? Um, Thoughtful House was set up by, um, if, I, if memory serves, uh, an heiress to the Johnson and Johnson fortune, um, and he set up basically it to be a treat, both a treatment and a uh, research clinic. Um, so he, you know, he would oh, bring good. in research. <laughs> yeah, so he um, he brought in a small research team. He brought in some of his colleagues from the the sort of not great research he had done before, um, you know, and some alternative doctors and everything else to kind of to do treatments. Um, he, being a gastroenterologist and his whole thing has always been this sort of gut-brain connection thing, he brought in a, a GI doc um, that he had worked with in the past. And, um, but he also brought in a team to start doing some research and they started doing research on, you know, Things that might, you know, on, on vaccines and, and vaccines and autism was what was one of the big things they did, um, and then a little bit of research on actually um, treatments um, as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was a you know a pretty significant concern when you look at the number of people working there, um, especially a research staff which isn't really going to bring in a lot of money. Um, it, it must have been a pretty expensive effort to, to get to get going to get that keep that going. That's right. He had his own journal for a while too, didn't he? Did, I don't know if he had his. Own, I know he was like he was like an editor on a uh, on a um, an internet only journal, but uh, medical. Right. Well, there's medical hypotheses. I feel like was I don't know if it was his per se, but was kind of I don't know his influenced by him in one way or another. I'll have to look that up. I don't, yeah, I mean, it, it, medical hypotheses was definitely a big one for the bad science and autism crowd in general, but I don't recall if he actually had any direct inf- action on it or uh, even published in it. The other people did, so. It was short-lived, I remember, and I think he published one story in there, one, okay. you know, one work of fiction. 
Um, yeah, it, it's been a long, strange journey for him. But uh, then he ended up being fired from uh, Fossil House. Isn't that right? Well, you know, it's one of the classic executives, you know, they left by mutual consent sort of statements. But it was, yeah, I mean, in between there, he starts working at at, um, at Thoughtful House. And you talk, the one cause, con- the consequence really of, uh, you were asking before, of his, of, of the uh, Brian Deere exposing a lot of the story was that the, what um, was called the General Medical Council in the uh, UK, which is the basically the licensing board or something for the um, for the uh, UK um, started investigating him to see if this if his actions as a doctor um, were unethical in in the the, you know, the times when he was doing this the research um, it, while he was still in England and so Wakefield decided to you know defend himself in this um, which was to me always a very strange thing the guys he he's not. He, I mean, Wayfield himself even said, "There's a quote somewhere in like a paper, if I if I if I recall, where he says um, he is no longer in need of, of of his license. He's no longer in need of registration, which is what it's That's called right. in the UK." That's right. He did say that. And then and then he proceeds to go defend his license, um, becoming this basically a, a giant you know circus act almost. I mean, in, in terms of just the the um, you know spectacle around it it was it was it was long it was expensive and um you know it exposed a huge amount of 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 um of unethical behavior that that brian deer hadn't found before um and for for no purpose i mean had he won he would have kept a license he didn't need he would have kept a license to practice medicine in in the uk um which he was never really a practicing doctor he was a researcher he in fact one of the problems he had one of the unethical um one of the the ethics violations found against him was that he was Taking clinical care of, of patients, which was right. expressly forbidden by his job, right? He was he was not he was not supposed to be responsible for patients directly. So um, so he ends up fighting this. It, it comes so much more comes out about what he had done. Um, he loses his medical license, and at that point, you know, Thoughtful House decides, you know, together with him, I guess, to uh, that that it's time that they parted ways. Um, his, his most of his team that he had gathered together gets um, released as well. Thoughtful House then changes its name, um, expunges all. The, if you look, there's no mention of him on their website now that for the new the new organization. So you know, <laughs> you know, they left by mutual consent. But it's one of these. You know, it's like well, okay, you know. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know, by mutual consent, you know, he asked them to take his name off or whatever else. I mean, it, it all looks very much like, you know, they would very much like no one to, to remember, you know, he had anything to do with them. To the point of, like I said, they, it's not even called Thoughtful House anymore. Sure. Um, well, his name is understandably toxic. But, you know. If you're trying but, to do anything at all serious. Yeah, but this is somebody who, you know, I mean, who's independently wealthy was running it. And, you know, mm. was a supporter of his. And then, you know. Now, so now, once effectively, you know, at least uh, the public face of this is it seems to have absolutely nothing to do with him. So it's a pretty amazing turnaround from that respect. While I'm thinking of it, um, it was not medical hypotheses that I was thinking of. It was autism insights. That's right. That he was on the yeah. editorial board for. That's right. The journal. Thank you. Because uh, I was going to say I, that didn't sound right. Um, so. He, you know, is leaving several jobs. His co-authors have all abandoned his, you know, one study 
um, he didn't finish up any further research on that, even though it was offered the opportunity to. So he must be like off doing nothing and not wanting to be part of the public eye these days, right? <laughs> I think he really must be thinking about all the all the problems that has happened and yeah, wondering how very to correct responsible them. Mm -hmm. and yeah just sort of off on a soul searching mission in some abbey somewhere is that what's going on ken and matt <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what he's doing <laughs> turning to professor yeah. harold hill is what he is <laughs> yeah he's he's he well first off he, he started writing some books that were just painfully bad to read um oh by the <laughs> way one thing that's worth worth noting when when you go back about his you mentioned his 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 um, colleagues, you know, left him behind. Um, one of the other colleagues, you know, was managed to get his license. He, he also lost his license with Wakefield and actually managed to peel and get it back. But when, when, he, when he got it back, through his attorney, he made it very clear. I mean, this was the guy whose, whose work was closest, most key to Wakefield's work. And he made, it, he, he made a statement through his attorney that, no, Wakefield was wrong. I mean, take all the ethics, uh, whatever else, the research was wrong. He, he wasn't. He, you know, he just wasn't right. And I think that's one thing that always gets lost in the discussion of, all, you know, Wakefield, I mean, he makes such a great story in the fact that he's, you know, so many unethical things it, he did, but he was wrong. And, it, you know, it's important to keep that in mind. I mean, you know, it's not even like, well, he's wrong because he was unethical. He was just wrong. And he was wrong mm -hmm. and he was unethical, right? The unethical part doesn't say that he was wrong. But that said, right. he you know, he wrote he started he tries to keep himself in the public eye a lot. So he started writing some books. Um, first, he wrote a book kind of defending himself um, called "Callous Disregard," where he takes the, one of the key that phrases from apt. where he lost. Yeah, well, it, it was a phrase that was used by the uh, what essentially was the judge in his in his um, when he was lost his license, and he turns it around. He says, "Aha, you know, it's it's actually the world's callous disregard or something." You know, towards <laughs> callously disregarding towards, me, yeah. or, <laughs> yeah, or you know, or, or or the plight of the the poor disabled mm -hmm. children who you know are being injured by vaccines. I don't, I can't remember exactly how he ties it back in, but it's well, probably it's, very tortuously because I read yeah. that book right around the time that it came out, and the oh man, the very dramatic language that he tries to use throughout it it's it's like half dry wrote prose that's boring to read and half like what a very moody teenager would write using a lot of imagery <laughs> from movies that that teenager might have seen in the last six months it's not an easy read it's like twilight twilight yeah. your uh computer uh manual mm-hmm yeah and it's but all, an interesting thing is, some, I forget, um, there's some bloggers out there, um, uh, Science Mom and, and um, who's the other one who works with it, was it uh, that, 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 that basically started looking at it. I think it was Science Mom who actually did. They, they said, point out, if you, if you start looking through, Wakefield writes it like a scientist, right? And, he, and he's got a lot of citations saying, you know, this happened, this happened, and here's this. And he's, they found out if, if you actually look at his citations, they, they tend to not say at all what he's trying to claim. So it, it's, it's an incredibly interesting um, effort but it was a uh, yeah a very painful read um so he does a couple things like that he stays on the kind of the alt med there's like a, there's a number of like autism vaccine focused um conferences and he keeps himself in that but then what he tries to do is he he's, he tried to create a um a reality tv show are you uh, kidding called no oh you yeah, heard this it's called the it was it was a takeoff on the a-team 
where the A stood for autism, so it was the autism team, where he basically okay. gets together his old team, including like this 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 gastroenterologist that had worked with him at Thoughtful House and had worked with him before. And what they would do is they would get a, but the, the idea was they would get a story, you know, some kid out there who's who's having up, up you know challenges they would bring them in and they would apply all the 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 expertise of their autism team to them um turn this kid's life around you know everyone smiles you know cut the credits and, and move on to the next show that was kind of their their plan and and this is where they things went disastrously wrong okay he took on a case um of a kid who was who was alex sportalakis and and alex deserved better from everywhere he got but he especially deserved better from andrew wakefield um yeah. and wakefield goes in to try to save him with this stuff with his with his autism team and alex was really on you know he was he was alex alex had a lot of a lot of huge challenges and his mother was you know um obviously on edge as you'll find from the end of the story and wakefield comes in does his 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 video, you know, takes a bunch of video, helps him out supposedly, you know, giving giving him all these, you know, um, alternative approaches to 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 treating his issues. Leaves his parents with a uh, his mother with a huge distrust of of, um, of the mainstream world, medicine and, and the world in general, and then leaves. And Alex doesn't get better. His mother despairs, and his mother and his godmother then brutally murder Alex. Um, supposedly to you know help you know Al, you know to, be, to keep Alex from ending up in a worse life. Um, mm. This is sadly one of the things Wakefield has kind of praised over time, including in, the, in this horrible book we were just talking about, the idea yeah. of, a, of a mother killing her child, and yeah, no, she kills yeah, no him. No greater love, yeah, yeah. And there's an Wakefield awful tone of his uh, in terms of glorifying that kind of behavior that I've seen in his work that is some of the most both heartbreaking and also nauseating uh, that I've seen from him. Yeah. And the and so Wakefield takes his film, this video that he had been making for this um, reality TV show, and turns it into a documentary um, where he basically uses this kid as his hammer to attack, you know, the mainstream world, the mainstream world, mainstream medicine, and, and the mainstream world in general. That 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 you know, Wakefield so feels has wronged him over time, and you know, so in you know, in death, you know, there's yet yet another injustice done to this kid as he you know just gets abused, in my opinion, by uh, by Wakefield like this. It's just a horrible, horrible story, and you know, it's like the, he titles the story, you know, who killed Alex Portalakis, and you know. The, the people who, who knifed him repeatedly, you know, are, are the people who killed him. And Wakefield, in my opinion, carries a huge amount of responsibility mm -hmm. for um, this kid's death. And But Wakefield goes around and basically tries to, you know, both profit and use this for his own propaganda purposes. And, and it's just, dis and frankly, it. and it's just disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting what he did there. So that doesn't really, you know, get him anywhere it's you know uh you know he plays at a few um secondary uh you know uh festivals and sells dvds to people who already believe him um he does some really interesting conferences in there where he was at some like 9-11 truther conspiracy 
conference circuit and stuff like that. Like he really, you can kind of see the descent here where he's trying to initially portray himself as a serious scientist and but then you can see whatever it is whether that's just that's how he can get money or recognition or if it actually is his train of thought of there's a conspiracy against me there's also must be the there also must be these other conspiracies where he's now associating himself with even f more far out there kinds of people i feel like yeah he did yeah, like really, um i just want to say okay. he's really in over his head when it came to publicizing his case too i mean he actually i think at one point appeared with alex jones and if you're not steeped in the american culture and media culture i can see how wakefield uh would stumble into these you know god-awful venues thinking well i'm getting the word out you know america's listening but it's a little more nuanced than that you have to pay attention to who the messenger is too yeah yeah, I think the, the thing you're thinking about, um, Nathan, was he did a, uh, if I remember correctly, like a tour of Ireland or something strange, but he did did a tour somewhere with like a New World Order, you know, tour group that was doing some, some New World Order, you know, thing. Um, you know, they were, they were speaking out against that. One of his one of his colleagues in this whole thing, yeah, ended up, I remember him going on a nine, you know, on a, uh, an online, you know, video podcasting with 9-11 with truthers. I don't remember Wakefield. Mm -hmm. I mean, until later, until more recently, yeah, recently, you know, with this, the, the conspiracy crews, um, oh, yeah. we had that kind of thing going That's on. Right. But, uh, yes. <laughs> but then, you know, probably the thing that kind of brings brings us back to why 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 are we still talking about this loser twenty years after you know his, he started doing his damage, is is more recently he 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 also came out with a second documentary, where, um, you know, you, a you're researcher using from the air CDC, quotes, right? What documentary um, with? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I thought you. I thought you were thinking air quotes around loser. Um, no, that, that that has no air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, his 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 documentary is you know about as much a documentary as Spinal Tap, but far less funny. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he you know basically um, a researcher at. Uh, CDC ended up approaching uh, somebody that, that Wayfield knows and claiming that there was misdeeds done in, in, you know, one very minor study that was done, you know, like 12 years ago. And um, Wayfield plays this up into yet another documentary. And that's what he's basically been making his money off and his name off for the past year or so. Um, he made this documentary called Vaxxed and where he claims, you know, that there's, you know, there, there's this huge conspiracy, you know, to cover up, um, uh, you know, the idea that, that autism causes vaccines and that, you know, everything is corrupt and all this such. What, what's great for people who want to know about this, you could, I think, still find it, is his original video on this when, when he kind of broke the news story before he actually teamed up with somebody who actually understands um, film. Um, he put together his own video. Uh, on this, which is just horrifically bad. I mean, horrifically bad. Where he he's claiming the CDC are are running a new um, Tuskegee experiment with vaccines, you know, with vaccines and such. And it's just, I mean, you watch it. I mean, he literally says, you know, the, that the CDC researchers are are, you know, you know, akin to Hitler, Stalin, and Pol Pot. Except that Hitler, Stalin, and Pol Pot were nicer because at least they were sincere. Yeah. And I wish I was exaggerating there. 
But I mean, it's just no, it's no. Ridiculous. That's pretty much word for word. I remember when that broke, and I. And I yeah, was, it's just, this I is mean, another piece of evidence where I'm like, wow, this guy is really descending into this. Like he's he's going further down the rabbit hole. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I've, a bunch of us when that first came out downloaded it because it was like, you know, it was so embarrassingly bad for him. We're like, how the hell, you know, this guy? There's no way he's going to leave this up, but he did. I mean, you know, it, it, you can never make money by predicting him doing something actually reasonable. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, so, he, but I mean, for people who want to see it, see, get an idea. There's, there is that. Um, and it was just, and I think we, Karen and I have talked about how probably vaxxed itself as a movie would be a topic in and of itself, which we'll probably do on another. I don't think we need to get too in depth into it right now. Although I do think one aspect that's really interesting that you guys can probably speak to is how much he tries to portray vaxxed as about, uh, this these these misdeeds that he perceives uh, by the CDC when there and and how everybody says whenever you bring up well this is by Andrew Wakefield one of the world's biggest medical frauds they say well this is not really about Andrew Wakefield but it is clearly about him from beginning oh, to yeah. end plus he created it it is and, and the Andrew Wakefield vindication story is what it is oh, yeah. and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, Wakefield, he's always doing that. The, you know, it's not about me, but it is about me kind of thing to the point where, I mean, if you again, look on, on YouTube, you can find a video where he interviews himself in the mirror and he gets to the point of like saying, you know, he, I mean, he, 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 <laughs> wow. he, he, he yeah. Having he just put, recently watched Twin Peaks, that's kind of an interesting visual. For <laughs> <me>. <laughs> okay. Um, and he. I mean, he, he, he gets so dramatic. I mean, he starts saying how he would gladly die for these children, right? I mean, and it's, it's one of these things, it's like, well, okay, what are you really saying here? I mean, he's really basically saying, you know, I, I, am, I am the ultimate martyr here. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, just, it's just stunning to watch him do this. But yeah, I mean, the vax basically comes out and it's all, it, 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 there's, it, it has like various segments of it, but it's basically, yes, I was right all along. You know, the work I did for, you know, in 1997 or 1998 was was correct. And, you know, um, and 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 it's just these evil forces that have that have kept me from becoming, you know, as well known as I should have been and saving the world from this horrible thing called the MMR vaccine. Obviously, paraphrasing there are lots of air quotes and lots of paraphrasing. Um, but um, it's 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 yeah, it, it is entirely a you know our whatever vehicle of, of promoting andrew wakefield having watched all this stuff for so many years um very closely and, and including the story which he makes you know he blows up into this thing very closely i mean you just see it's incredibly dishonest this this whole film down to the point of him he, he's got audio tape of this um guy from the cdc making phone calls and he cuts and splices phone calls together you know to make mm -hmm. conversations that never happened it's just oh wow yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's not, a, you know, like you said, documentary is definitely an air quote. In my opinion, you know, document, documentaries are supposed to document things that happen, not, you know, create fan fiction. So that kind of brings me to, um, I want to, you know, I think we could do an, an five days on the uh, that documentary alone. But um, I want to sort of end on a lighter note. So I put together a little uh, quiz for you, gentlemen. Um, no. I have, I know, it's going to be fun. I have four quotes <laughs> from Andrew Wakefield and four quotes from someone else. 
I'm going to read you a are, quote. Are the other four quotes from the same person? No. Oh, okay. So other people. Other people. Okay. I'm going to read you the quote, and then you have to say whether or not um, Andy said it. So the name of this game is Did Andy Say It? Um, okay. And your response is either Andy did say it or Andy did not say it. Got this all figured out in my brain. So I'm going to, um, I'm, I will assign you a quote. Um, let's start with Ken. I'm going to read you a quote. Okay. Did Andy say it? The pharmaceutical industry has spent $30 billion a year on promoting vaccines. They should have saved their money because they've failed. They've failed. Hmm. That sounds like Kim Stalliano to me. I'll say he didn't say that. <laughs> He actually did. That is oh. an Andrew Wakefield quote. Okay, Nathan. I, that's, that's a more recent one. Okay. All right, are we keeping score? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> Do I win another mug? Yeah. <laughs> People don't know about the mug yet. Okay. Um, uh, Nathan, I am yeah. not ranting and raving. I'm just telling you, you're dishonest people. Well, that, I don't think, I'm going to say he did not say it. I feel like I should know what that's from, but I don't know. That he did not say that. That was uh, Donald answer. Donald Trump in his February well, well, press conference. Naturally, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got you confused for a second though, there. Um, this one um, is for Matt. Matt. Another allegation is that I was in my mountain lair. Did Andy say it? <laughs> did Wakefield or Sauron? Who said it? <laughs> well, actually, Mount, Mountain Lair sounds a little bit more Berkdiscardian to me. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he didn't say that. But I think he did. I think he did, too. He did. I will give <laughs> you the full quote. The full quote is, another allegation is that I was in my Mountain Lair secretly making this single vaccine, which was a competitor to the MMR, would put the <laughs> MMR out of the market, discredit it, and then bring my own vaccine to the market and clean up. So, yes, well, that was... Uh, you can actually look, just as an aside, you can go online and see the patent application for that, <laughs> just in case you are inclined to not believe. It is at www.mountainlair.com. <laughs> And it was 20 years ago, July, actually. Yes. It was July of uh, 97, I think, that he patented. Wow. <laughs> All right, this next one is for Nathan. If okay. newborn babies could speak, they would be the most intelligent beings on planet Earth. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Ooh. I'm going to say no. No, that was <laughs> Jaden Smith. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, this next this next one's for Matt. <laughs> it was entirely oh, no. their responsibility, but of course, it was blamed on me. Oh, that sounds like him. That that's got to be. Yeah. Yep, there we go. <laughs> and he did say it. Here's the full quote: Measles came back. It was entirely their responsibility, but of course, it was blamed on me. When they quote the fall in MMR uptake in the UK, what they do not quote is a reciprocal increase in the use of the single vaccine before it was withdrawn. Which he wasn't <laughs> creating in his mountain lair, so it's right. fine. Alright, Nathan, this one's yours. Okay. <laughs> I, yes, you are getting more than everyone else. Okay. All of a sudden... <laughs> All of a sudden, you're like the Bin Laden of America. Osama Bin Laden is the only one who knows what I'm going through. Oh my gosh, I think that's what I think he said that. 
<laughs> oh, that's probably also Trump, isn't it? <laughs> no, that was our. That would be funny. That was R. Kelly. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All righty. I'm better um, with Will Smith and his family than I am with R. Kelly. That, that's that's kind of surprising, actually. All right. Really? Um, not if you last, know me. Uh, we're not, well, we got two left. This one's for Matt. Or not, not for Matt. This one's for Ken. Okay. In fact, they have taken his story and treated it as verbatim, treating it treated it as true as if you read my book you will be able to read the truth yes that was wiki he was the rest of the quote is and has the bmj read my book have the doctors who apparently looked at all the records read my book no that was on an anderson cooper um interview yeah that was a great interview because that's where anderson cooper kind of pins him down and says, but if he says something to the effect of, but if your study is a lie, then your book is a lie, or if you're lying, then your book is lying. Yeah, and exactly. It's, it's, it's great. I think Wakefield was in Jamaica when during that interview, wasn't he? He, he no, was in Jamaica in an anti-vaccine conference in an yeah. incredibly yeah. posh resort. That's, That's right. a really good uh, link to have handy. That that um, I probably shouldn't even mention this, so we should go like download it right away. But <laughs> that website for that anti-vaccine conference is still up, oh, and wow. you can. It's a nice little who's who. So anytime someone's like, "Oh, there's this research paper," I say, "Oh, you mean that guy who was like on stage with Wakefield at this right. Jamaican conference?" Okay. Yeah. Right. All right. Here's was- the last one. Oh, sorry. I was going to say that conference was basically. It seemed to be basically a networking event for rich people to 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 help fund uh, people doing credulous research. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Last one. This is for you, Nathan. <laughs> of course. There is no evidence of an autism epidemic. It's tempting to write about autism rates skyrocketing, mushrooming, exploding, or about the coming tsunami of young autistic adults. But words like rate and epidemic have specific meanings. If you want to compare, say, the change in the number of children receiving autism diagnoses over the last 20 years, then talk to an epidemiologist about the difference between prevalence and incidence. Don't just assume. Okay, so that is not Wakefield. That is Karen Ernst. No, that's not Karen Ernst. Steve Steve Silberman. Somebody else we know. Not oh, Steve Silverman. Steve Silverman? Uh, Seth Nookin. Yeah. No. Do you know who it is, Ken? I think it was me. It was oh, you. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Darn it. That was my second Perfect. choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such good company. Did you hear all the guess- guesses about that? Okay. Well, that was fun. That was a lot more fun than I, I thought it was even going to be. Um so as we wrap up this discussion about Andrew Wakefield, um, any last statements you want to make about him that you know we should all take away um, when we go out into the world and, and talk to people who might be swayed to believe that vaccines cause autism? Well, I, I think what Wakefield pulled off could only be done in, in our media culture. I, I think if someone pulled off something that dishonest 100 years ago, he never would have seen the light of day. And it's just because there are so many ways to get your message out now. I'm not sure he could even have done this 30 or 40 years ago. Um, it's, it's only with the Internet and the instant, uh, instantaneous creation of communities that you can get away with, with what Wakefield did. 
would say one thing. To, one thing. One thing to tell people when they want to think about this is, you know, it's it's not that Wakefield was wrong because he was unethical. It's he was wrong and he was unethical. I mean, they're they're both. I mean, he was just wrong, and that's we we always lose track of the fact that, you know, he, he, because of the, the the sensational part of it, that that the guy was just wrong. I mean, so excellent. So Ken and Matt, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Well, I'm on uh, Facebook, and uh, that's about it. My Autism Newsbeat blog uh, got zapped <laughs> and uh, exists in a little file on my hard drive right now. But uh, I, uh, I I leave snarky comments on anti-vaccine stories. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> there you go. And Matt? Um, main one for me is, is I haven't been as active for a while lately, but I'll be, I'm going to get back to it is the blog leftbrainrightbrain.co.uk. Um, it was a blog started by uh, um, another autism parent, and I've kind of inherited over the time. And it, you know, we try to we, we try to cover a lot of topics like this, but mostly more stuff that's really just more autism related. Thank you so much to Ken Rybell and to Matt Carey for joining us today. And thank you to everybody who's tuning in to listen today. Please make sure you're subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And you can find our podcast at voicesforvaccines.org slash podcast. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, consider leaving a donation at voicesforvaccines.org slash support. My name is Karen Ernst, and I'm the Executive Director of Voices for Vaccines. And I'm Nathan Boonstra. I'm a pediatrician uh, at Blank Children's Hospital in Des Moines, Iowa. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is PedsGeekMD. You can also find me on Facebook or on my blog at PedsGeekMD.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.